So I wanted to just share from my heart a few things. Um, um, when I was, I was actually thinking about this all day today about, you know, how sometimes you reminisce and go back in your head about certain things and how certain things can be painful moments of your life and then some things can be uh, funny and some are very memorable and some things you wish you could forget and there's other things that just bless you. And um, right before um, my wife and I came here, uh, obviously we were in a very difficult position, most of you know of our, our story, and, um, but even before that, we, we felt led to go to Madison, but it, we, we didn't know exactly how all that was going to work out. It led us to here all, within 18 months, two years altogether, we were here from that journey to Madison to start a church. And, uh, but before that, I went through a real season of depression and just uh, discouraged, going through all the motions, doing what you do, and nothing wrong with that. It wasn't faking. It was just trying to walk it out, walk it out by faith, you know? And um, one of the things I felt very strongly to do was to up my prayer life during that time. And so I did. I began to uh, get with the Lord a little more often, and I made a decision that every morning I was going to get up very early, and I had a little wooded area behind our home, so I decided I was going to go out there and, and pray. So I beat down a little path into those, those woods and decided to begin to pray every single morning, and I did. And sometimes I got down on my face before God in the woods, you know. And if you'd have saw me, thought this guy's lost his mind, but I was just getting real with God, you know. And I was telling God uh, what what I was going through. It wasn't like it was a surprise to him, but how he knows it's good to be real with God with what you're going through. Trust me, he can handle it. He already knows. So I um, began to pour out my, my heart to him and feeling the call of God in my life, but not uh, seeing the it come to fruition, not seeing the results of the call yet. Um, I'm talking about the call to to start a church. And so we knew we had to wait for God's ultimate timing on it. And ultimately, um, that's what that's what we did. And uh, but it was with a lot of uh, prayer. And I, I know that uh, you know I didn't know exactly how to um, start the ministry or how to go about doing the ministry. All I knew was, was to begin to pray. That led us to go to Madison. Then, of course, we ended up going. Um, we ended up coming here and starting this church. And then I started thinking about because every every time I've been in an area of depression, it's almost like it's been a sign to me that God's about to do something or move in a different way in my life. So when I go through those moments, and I think that's not just me, I honestly think that's people. It's like the enemy knows somehow. Like, you know, like, for instance, he did not um, know who Jesus was, but he knew that a general had come into the earth because he, he had um, Herod to have all the children under the age of three killed. Same thing would happen with Moses earlier before. And when he, uh, Moses was born, uh, it stirred the heart of Pharaoh to have all the children of the age of three killed. He didn't know who Moses was, didn't know it was going to be Moses, or that, but he knew a deliverer had come, Satan. I don't know how he even knows that. But somehow the enemy knows about activity that's going on in the earth when it pertains to you and me. And that's when I think he begins to discourage us because discouragement stops us in our tracks. Discouragement and depression gets you to not pray gets you to overthink everything, gets you more cerebral than it does, you know, spiritual. And things don't add up. And then we start getting even more discouraged. How is this ever going to take place? How is my life going to actually change? All that stuff. And so um, it's always been a, a bit of a sign sign to me. Uh, I can go back, and I was thinking about this today as far as going back before um, 
before I came back to Jesus. And my life completely got turned upside down for about a year and a half before uh, I finally gave my life back to the Lord in uh, 1989. And so all of 88, I was just discouraged and depressed and uh, fearful and all these things, honestly, on a level I've never felt before. And um, I didn't know that I was going to ultimately... Um, give myself to Jesus and ultimately uh, fulfill a call that he put on my life, I was fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. And you can only fight so long in the natural. Then one day, out of, out of a, it's a series of events that took place, they were amazing. Some of them were very, very supernatural. Um, I gave my life, my life to the Lord and everything turned around. So I want to encourage somebody here tonight. If you're going through that kind of a battle, could it be that the enemy has literally pulled up all the stops He's trying to come against you with all he's got because he knows a turn is about to take place. It ought to be like a sign to us. And if we'll just get fired up and say, I'm not giving up, I'm not giving in. I'm not going to allow that to take place in my life. You'll find that God will begin to move in a, in a, a very powerful, powerful way. I want you to look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, speaking to Jesus. And she had a sister named uh, called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. It's interesting that, that I'm sure Jesus was thankful for what Martha was doing, but made it very clear that Mary had chosen the good part, and that was to sit at the feet of the master and to learn and to grow and to even ask questions. And to me, that speaks of our intimacy with God on a day-to-day basis and that we're to be at the feet of Jesus every day of our lives. And yes, we must work. And yes, we must do be about being busy and getting things done. But the best part of our life is when the, the part that we're choosing that's the best part is when we spend time with the Almighty God. Because when you try to do life on your own, you're going to be unfulfilled. As a believer, you're going to be unfulfilled, unfruitful. And if you're unfruitful, you're going to be most frustrated. That will be a, a, a difficult cycle in your life to bring about depression and discouragement over and over and over again. Uh, I, I can tell you uh, from somebody who's walked this, it's just easier to get away with him to get your fire back stoked up with him uh, than, than it is to be away from him. Um, I had a phone call from uh, dear dear people. You're going to see them in just a little while. Um, Anivad and Clarissa Mont, they're, they're in our church for many years. Their parents go here. I think I saw Junior here just a moment ago. And um, and uh, they they were ahead of our, our children's department. And then we sent them out. And they went to, to Florida to get more training. And now they're starting to ministry. And I've been working with him in, in the process. He's super excited. And he's a son of this house. And they're just getting their ministry. They got their articles of incorporation done. You know, they spent the money for all the, the, the things that they need and and that's you know the thing, the paperwork stuff and I can hear a little bit of discouragement because it's like almost like that is that what ministry really is well it's a part of it you know it's a part of it but it's not it's not all of it but it got me thinking about uh, it got me thinking about the beginning days of our church and yeah there were those moments that it was a little bit difficult but you know uh, we were raw. 
We were definitely raw, but we didn't have a whole lot, but we did have a lot of God's presence in our church. We didn't have a lot to offer anybody. didn't have a big children's ministry. had no children's ministry, but we had God's presence in our church. And just staying uh, before him, um, praying, being at the altars, um, being there for people, um, uh, people praying for one another, going out after words, not just cutting out, but making friends and having fellowship and going to Omega restaurant. Come on, y'all. Omega's stays open, praise God. And other places that people go to and just chill and learn and get to know one another. That's, that, that's, a, that's a big thing because we need one another to encourage each other to stay fired up. Uh, amen. Now, this I'm, a, I'm not preaching. I'm, a, I'm just sharing tonight. Our church started uh, in a very unique way, and um, we started on a Friday night. Most churches started on a Sunday morning. Well, I, I, I felt we're going we're gonna to do it a Friday night, and so we started on a Friday night. And then after a while, we grew, and we went to a Thursday night service. But a Thursday night still was at a different time frame. Normally, it's either 6, 6.30 or 7. We did 7.14 for Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Amen. I made it real spiritual, but actually, it's just so people could get there out of the traffic. Come on, someone say amen. It's 7 o'clock, nobody got there in time. But 7.14, people showed up. And um, our church was a lot of young people who didn't have a lot of money. Amen. That's all right, so you got to pay the bills. Amen. Praise God. Then we got to walk by faith. Amen. And so they just came, and, um, and that's how we built our church. And it went from uh, just on Thursday night to Sunday uh, church, but then it wasn't conventional that way either. Nothing we did in this church was conventional. We had a Sunday afternoon service at 1.30 in the afternoon. Crazy that we would even do something like that. But we, they, we, not only was it good, it was great. And people loved it because they could stay up late on Saturday night, come to sleep in on Sunday morning, and come to church. Amen. And we used to be on that side of the building when we had the 1.30. We were a little bit on this side too, but mostly on that side. And... Um, Every single year we grew, and we grew, and we grew, and God blessed it. So I'm just trying to tell you, be encouraged. Even though things aren't conventional, even though things are going your way, even though you can't do it exactly what you think is the right way, if God's in it, you'll win it. Somebody say amen. You're going to overcome this area of your life. And if we really want revival for our city, and we do, for our loved ones and for America, it first starts in our own hearts. And I know what God started last summer, he did for our church. It was a revival, a renewal in our own church, and it has not stopped ever since. God's still been doing it every single week. And our, our hearts were stirred and got fired up. Why? So that when revival breaks in our city, we're prepared to handle it. Because if we're not fired up, if we're not have revival in our own hearts, if we're not praying, if we're not doing what we're supposed to do, guess what? Then it can't happen for our community. And if it does happen in our community, it's going to be so foreign to us, we're going to go, oh, you need to get on out of here. You're crazy. But if we're more crazy than they are, come on. They'll fit right in. Amen. Our hearts should always be, number one, to get fired up. Our hearts should always be this. It should always be God gets what God wants. Your heart should always be not about you want, about what you want, but what about what God wants. Number two, we need to walk in thankfulness every day of our lives. Find something to be thankful for. Psalms 101 says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I can't control all of me. He's got to have control of me because I didn't make me. He made me. And I'm in his pasture. And he said, then enter his gates with thanksgiving. The way you come into God is with thanksgiving. And into his courts with what? 
Praise. Be what? Be thankful to him and bless his name. How about us do that right now? Bless his name. Come on and bless him tonight. Be thankful to God. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. Amen. For the Lord is good. That's why we're thankful. His mercy is everlasting. That's why we're thankful. His truth endures. Everybody say it endures to all generations. That's why we're thankful. Amen. So we just got to stay fired up. The third thing is we need to, uh, we get fired up. In other words, we allow the fire of God to thoroughly touch every area of our lives. I just wrote this down this afternoon. We got to allow God's fire, his fire from his throne to touch every area of our life. Hebrews 12, 28 says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, don't get upset about how the world's going and direction what's happening out there. You're in a kingdom that can't be shaken. Right? Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Your God is a, the Bible likens him unto fire. He's likened, so when you get all of God, you get all of the fire. Now, back in the old days, in the Old Testament, uh, God would always answer by fire. And when the fire came, it, it was the responsibility of the priest to keep the fire going. So the fire would come and consume the sacrifice, the fire from heaven. That's why the Bible says, uh, God says, I will not accept strange fire. What strange fire? Man-made. Man-made. God has a way of lighting us to keep us lit that's supernatural. We can kind of do things with self-help and get some things done, but that's strange fire to God. God wants to be the sole reason, the purpose of your passion and your enthusiasm. Passion, enthusiasm is the fire of God that comes inside of you. Just touch your neighbor one more time and say, get fired up. Tell them, get fired up. That's what God's word, that's what he wants for us, right? It's a promise. And so... And so you get fired up. So God would answer by fire and the altar would be consumed with fire and then the priest would then dip the wick into the fire. It would light the wick of the lamp and the lamp was filled with the oil. The oil represents the uh, anointing of the Holy Spirit or represents the Holy Spirit. But here's the deal. The fire was God's responsibility, but it was the responsibility of the priest to keep the oil in the lantern. And when the oil was no longer in the lantern, you know, we don't take rocket science to figure it out. If it's not there, guess what happens? The fire will go out. Now, we can't blame God for that. So when the fire goes out, all we got to do is say, Lord, I need your fire. And he's going to say, where's my oil? In other words, come on, y'all. When I pray in the Holy Ghost, when I get in prayer, period, I'm doing what I'm stirring everything up in the supernatural. I'm filling my lantern back up with oil. That's my responsibility. I get in the word. I confess the word. I speak the word. I declare the word. I get my ears filled up with the word of God. I get back in prayer, declaration, all of that stuff. And when I do, it's the oil of God so that when fire comes, I can be prepared to receive that fire and keep it going in my life. So God is a consuming fire. God is a refining fire. He will try us burn up all the things that are unnecessary. As I was praying for people here tonight, I knew that was going on in people's world. Uh, for the most part, we're blaming the devil for things that God's actually been doing. I'm not saying the devil can't get involved, but I'm just trying to tell you that some of the things God's trying to burn up out of your life because it's unnecessary. But now he is a consuming fire, which makes him a refining fire. Bible also says that God baptized his people with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
that the word actually warns us against the fire of hell, judgment, and the word tells us to be on fire for God. When we say on fire for God, what does that mean? Let's look at Romans chapter 12, almost done. Romans chapter 12 and verse number one. The Romans are blown away at the mercy that God is showing the Gentiles here. They never had mercy before. Gentiles didn't understand this from God. They didn't even understand God. Maybe God's, but not Jehovah. And it says here, I beseech you therefore, just stay with me, let me read this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say to you, say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in the one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, excuse me, let, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Clean to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another uh, with brotherly love and honoring, give preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in prayer, or spirit rather, serving the Lord, uh, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distribution of the needs of the saints. Get what is, this is responsibility. Give to the, give, to, give into hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Take care of each other. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do, do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for, uh, for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I wanted to read that because I wanted you to see. You go, you go right back to it. That is the, a picture of a normal Christian life. That is the behavior of God's people. And and in other words, that's the behavior of someone who is fired up for God. Where'd you get that from? The beginning of where he starts. What does he say? He says, uh, he says this in the very beginning. Let me just go back to it. He says this. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A sacrifice is to be consumed with fire. So it's a, it's a consuming fire as our life becomes a sacrifice to him that never, ever goes out. And the life of a believer that's fired up will begin to live those principles. Yes, you can love your enemies. Amen. Jesus said, love your enemies. That's not easy. But when you're given to God, and see, you say, well, how is it ever going to get easy? It does get easy. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. It gets really easy. Why? Because the closer I get to him, the more I recognize how much he loves me, even though I'm a no good, rotten person sometimes, he still puts his arm around. He still loves me as his son. Amen. So I know if he can love me like that, I can love somebody else just as much. Amen. He said, do good to those who use you. He then says, forgive them who persecute you. He then says, if they... 
hits you on one side of your cheek, turn and give your other cheek on. Man, that's hard to do. But now when I'm with him and I'm fired up with him, the last thing I want to do is get drawn into some stupid argument and fight. Maybe you got hit in the cheek because you were drawn into a fight you weren't supposed to be in. I'm preaching really good right now. Amen. So he was saying, live a sold-out life for Jesus. 100%. And when you do, do not walk in condemnation. His grace is amazing. I love this, that song, Amazing Grace. Why? Because it's the truth. It's so rich. It's almost unbelievable, but it's grace. I don't have to walk in condemnation, so when I fall, I get back up so I can live a fired up, on fire life for God. It's not a perfect life. My perfection is only in him, but it is a repented life. Somebody say amen. Did you know that repentance is what initiates grace into your life? But if you don't repent, you can't receive his grace. In other words, you've got to recognize you're wrong. Just say, I'm wrong. I admit it. I, I'm, man, Lord, help me. And what does he do? He begins to cover you, forgives you, pours out his grace. I think that's one of the enemy's biggest weapons is to condemn God's people. And if you allow the devil to condemn you over your sin, you're never going to do anything. You're never going to feel worthy enough to do anything for him. And some of your biggest battles is not the devil as much as it is your own self. And that can be the biggest devil in your life. Romans 12, 11 says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in prayer, serving the Lord. So I'm supposed to be fervent in prayer. Fervent means reaching the boiling point. Boy, if I'm on fire, I can reach the boiling point with God. And by the way, uh, we, we reproduce after our own kind. An apple can never become an orange. Or apple seed becomes an apple, a tree which produces apples. Orange seed becomes an orange tree that produces oranges. Amen? Right, so if I am uh, not fired up, I will produce not fired up people around me. But if I am fired up, praise God. You know, it's interesting to me, when I went to Beloit last, I was just thinking about this a couple days ago, and I went to Beloit, and we were having revival meetings here, so I was already on 10 and a half. How many have ever seen Spinal Tap? The movie? Three of you. If you haven't seen it, go, I think it's clean. Is it clean? Can't remember. If it isn't, I'm sorry, but you should watch it. It's funny. It's a mockumentary. It's a spoof from the back in the early days. And they, they only, the equipment always goes up to 10, right? It only goes up to 10. Even if, if they have equipment, it goes up to 10. But he had his at 11. Come on. That's how I was. I was at 11, praise God, because I was fired up. I mean, so stoked, excited. So I got there, and they got a great church. But, man, when I got on that platform and I hit the platform, you could see with some people, their eyes got about this big. They weren't ready for me yet, praise God. All the expression of God in me. But before it was all said and done, because I was fired up, I'm planting seeds of that passion and enthusiasm. And I mean, before it was all said and done, it erupted and that thing went on for months in that church, for months in that church. I'm just here to tell you, you beget what you are. Mom and dad... You cannot teach your children by just telling them what to do. You must live it and then tell them and they'll go, oh, that's just what you're supposed to do. 
Amen. That's free right there. Hallelujah. Amen. And last thing I just want to say was to be honest with ourselves that there's just too much compromise in our lives and that we've got to get the sin out of our own camp. And you don't, nobody has to tell you, oh, I don't know if this is wrong or not. You know, if you're a born-again child of God, inside you go, this is not right. And then when we continue to do it, we begin to justify it. But the truth is we know it. Inside it's wrong. Repent. Get it right. Repentance is always required because if you don't, you begin to lose battles. God will give you a grace period to fix it. But after a while, you begin to lose battles that you're supposed to be winning for the spoils. How do you know that? Just study your Bible. It's all over Scripture. But one story comes to mind, and that is when God told, uh, told Joshua to go in and defeat Jericho, and you take nothing out of it. It's a, it's a, it's a revocation. It's, a, it's an offering unto me. Burn everything down to fire. You take not one coin. It all belongs to me. Burn it. And, of course, one man named Achan took some. He just couldn't help himself. He was tempted, took it. He put it and buried it in his tent on, his, on the ground floor and didn't think anybody would notice it, and he'd spend it later, you know, and just everybody forget about it. Next battle, that was a victorious battle. The next battle they went into should have been an easy win, and they were defeated, and they had to run for their lives, Israel did. And Joshua knew, and God said, somebody has sinned. And the priest came, and the prophet came and said it was Achan. And, of course, Achan confesses it, and Achan loses his life and his whole entire family as a result. You will lose battles if you don't deal with it. But the good thing is, if you just repent and make it right, you get fired back up. You're a living sacrifice. Things get back in order again. Amen.